Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Pastor Preston for the opportunity to stand behind the sacred desk. You know, I was thinking last night of what it'll be like when we're able to gather together again. I can't wait to be able to praise with hundreds of people the great I am. It's going to happen one day soon, I believe. Just hold on, wait on the Lord. Amen. But in the meantime, we thank God as we tune in every Sunday morning. We thank God for the labor of love for our singers, for our musicians, for audio, everybody who has a part in bringing us worship. It's important. And your labor is not in vain. We appreciate you all. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time together. We've come to worship you, O oh God. And now it is time for the preached word. And I pray, O oh God, that you would use me as your oracle this morning. O oh God, your people want to hear a word from you. It's, we're living in troubled times, but we know that you are the one in control and we trust you, O oh God. So use me today for your glory to bless your people. In Jesus' name, I pray. You know, the older I get, the more appreciative I am of all the people who have shaped my life, who 
who've spoken into my life. And one of the treats I have is to sit with someone who's older than I am, an elder, because their life is different than ours. They drove different cars. They grew up in bigger families. They had it harder than we had it. And they've given me such pearls of wisdom. But you know, as I get older, they're getting older too. And they're becoming frail. And their step is not as steady. Their, their mind is not as sharp. And we start worrying about them. We, we try to give them advice and usually they don't want to take our advice. They say things like, I, I got this, this is my business. I'll handle my business, you handle your business. You know, I uh, was talking to a volunteer at Dorcas Ministries last year, and she's 95 years old. She said, Reverend Rose, I just gave up my driver's license. I said, oh, okay. I said, what prompted you to do that? She said, well, I just got my first speeding ticket. I said, oh, okay. She said, well, the other thing, my daughter, I didn't know it, but she followed me around one day in town. And she told me I was doing 60 most of the time. And she said, I, I decided to stop being stubborn. I don't want to hurt somebody. And she didn't know, but she had just given me another pearl of wisdom because as I get older, I don't want to be worrying my loved ones. When they give me advice, I want to be open to it. And I want to be open to the Spirit of God. Amen? And, you know, it, the thing is, it's not just elders who can be stubborn. We all know somebody who's stubborn, don't we? Everybody in here is shaking their head. <laughs> we know people who, you can't tell them anything because they already know everything. They know everything about anything there is to know. So you, you don't try to get into arguments with people like that. My family's dealing with a situation right now, as a matter of fact. It's one of our elders. She's in her 80s. Her health is failing her, and she lives in a trailer in a rural part of Illinois. And the trailer is coming apart. The floor is caving in. The plumbing doesn't work like it should anymore. And around the trailer and underneath the trailer, there's about 20 feral cats. So their urine smell and everything is getting into the trailers. We tried to move her, we tried to get her to move, she won't budge. She's stubborn. But you know, seniors are not the only ones who are stubborn, like I'm saying. You know, we all know stubborn people. And stubbornness can stand between us and God. Stubbornness can open the door for spiritual warfare. Right now in this country, we lead the nations of the world in coronavirus because we have some Americans too stubborn to wear a mask and social distance. Stubbornness. Being stubborn can lead to the enemy coming in, killing, stealing, and destroying us. Webster defines the word stubborn as having or showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons 
to do so. God considers stubbornness a sin. As a matter of fact, when, when the Jews first came out of Egypt, being led by Moses, God told Moses, let me kill them all because of their stubbornness. I'll start over with you, Moses. God wanted to wipe them away because of the sin of stubbornness. And as a matter of fact, we fight a spiritual warfare now because there were a group of angels who were stubborn, too stubborn. They wanted their way instead of God's way. That's why we're involved in spiritual warfare. Hmm. When you hear the word stubborn, this picture might pop into your mind. A, a mule digging in its hooves and refusing to move. It's where we get the term stubborn as a mule. But let me tell you something. Mules and donkeys have been given a bad rap. According to animal researchers, when it came to showing flexibility towards solving a problem, mules and donkeys came out ahead of the pack. They were ahead of horses, they were ahead of dogs. In fact, it has been found that mules and donkeys are some of the smartest animals on earth. And they are known to go out of their way to protect themselves from danger, like in our text that was read. It's one of the most graphic, unusual, and funny instances of spiritual warfare in Scripture. Moses had just led millions of Jews out of Egypt after they were slaves under Pharaoh for hundreds of and they're wandering around in the desert being led by God. And their fame has already gone out ahead of them. Other nations, other tribes are looking. They heard about what happened in Egypt. So there's a lot of talk about these Jews. And the funny thing about it is during the day, there's a cloud always over them. And at night, there's always a pillar of fire over them. So now as God is moving these Jews around the desert, at times he will command them to go through territories. And you can imagine millions of Jews. So they always call ahead and say, can we come through? Whatever we use, if we drink water, we'll pay for it. We won't be any problem. We won't steal your crops. And sometimes they're allowed to pass through, but could you imagine if Millions of people all of a sudden decided they wanted to go through Cary or your community, Raleigh, Durham, wherever you are. Your leadership would probably say, no, that's okay. We don't want you coming. But one king, the king of Moab, he went a step further. He said, not only do I want them going through my territory, but I'm going to hire a prophet to curse them. So he sent some representatives to a prophet named Balaam. Apparently Balaam was known for cursing and blessing people. I don't know. And the guys came to Balaam. They said, we got this reward for you. Will you come with us to the king? Because he wants to see you do it in person. He wants you to personally, he wants to see you personally curse all these Jews. And Balaam went and prayed before God. <laughs> I want this reward, it's pretty good. Can I go and curse those people? 
God said, no, you can't curse what I've already blessed. Go back and tell him you, you're not going. So he told the men they went to the king. The king sent him back with an even greater reward. <laughs> and you know, that reward was apparently too good for Balaam to pass up. So he goes back to God, just to make sure he heard correctly, you know. <laughs> And God said, hmm, okay, go with him. You know, sometimes God will tell us no to things we're not supposed to have. God knows future. God knows what's best for us. God already told Balaam no. God already told Balaam he had blessed the Jew. God said, you go, boy. Go right ahead on. So that gave Balaam release to go. He saddles his donkey, and there he goes. I'll be thinking about all the things he's going to give to Probably thinking, be the best dressed prophet this side of the Euphrates. I don't know. And as he's going on this donkey, The donkey eyes are opened by God, supernaturally. And he sees standing before him an angel with a sword drawn. The donkey ain't stupid, he goes off the road. And Balaam beats the donkey, gets him back up on the road, and he's going down the road again. Then they get to this point in the road that's narrow. There's a wall on one side. The angel appears again before the donkey with the sword drawn. This time, the donkey veers off and goes up against the wall and crushes the foot of Balaam. And you know Balaam's really upset by now. He starts beating a donkey again. Poor donkey. Then they go down the road again. Balaam again, thinking about the reward. And this time, they get to a very narrow place, a place that they have to go through two walls, almost like a bridge, you know, a narrow bridge. And again, there's the angel. This time, I guess, donkey had had enough. He just lays down under me. And you can imagine the beating that comes, the frustration. Stubborn. Wanted to go forward. Got to deal with this stupid donkey. Now, you know, you can just imagine the, the scene. As Balaam is beating his donkey, God gives the donkey the supernatural ability to speak. 
And the donkey turns to Balaam and says, why do you keep beating me? You know I don't act like this. I've served you my life. And Balaam, again, stubborn, unable to see what's going on or discern what God is doing. He has the audacity to start arguing back with the donkey. Now, you know, I'll tell you something. I know there are some birds that talk, that can talk like us, you know, that can mimic what we say, and they sound just like people. I don't like being around them. They freak me out, to be honest with you. But if anything else started talking back to me, a cat, dog, bear, lion, whatever, I'd be saying, feet don't fail me now because I'm out of there. <laughs> but Balaam is arguing back with the donkey, so determined, so stubborn to get his way. And you know what God does at that point? God opens the eyes of Balaam and he can see the angel now and he throws himself down in worship. Needless to say, he doesn't get to curse the Jews. Hmm. Now, you know, when you have a lot of weird stuff going on, you might just be in spiritual warfare. It just might be in spiritual warfare. Here you have an animal acting like it normally doesn't act, and then it starts talking to you. And you don't think maybe you should check yourself? Sometimes it's not everybody else, it's us. Sometimes we want to lay the blame everywhere else, but it's us. And when things are happening around me that I know shouldn't be happening, the first thing I do is check myself. God, let me see what's happening here. God, I repent of my sins. God, help me to deal with this situation. You know, God opened the eyes of Balaam. Thank God. Because had he continued on, he might have very well been killed. As we study spiritual warfare, there's a tendency that we have to hype the power of the enemy. Hype. We give them a lot of credit. And I don't think God wants us to do that. He wants us to have a healthy knowledge and a healthy respect for, for the enemy. But God doesn't want us thinking that the enemy compares to God. There is no comparison. They are created beings with limited power, and we have victory through Jesus. God is the only one with all power in his hand. It is God, not the enemy, who is Om omnipresent, who is everywhere at the same time. Satan can't be everywhere at the same time. It is God who is omniscient, the one who knows everything. 
Satan is very limited. His, his minions are very limited in their knowledge. It is God, not the enemy, who is omnipotent, who has all power. And if that's not enough, God is the one who created everything, and he can create more angels if he wants to. Satan can't do that. The enemy does not compare to our God, never has, never will. God knows how to send in reinforcements when we're fighting. And God doesn't want us to be so stubborn when we're in spiritual warfare that we think we got to do everything ourselves. You couldn't even fight another human being real good by yourself. So how do you think you're going to fight spirits? There's stubbornness even as we fight spiritual warfare. Our part, our role in this spiritual warfare, we got a couple of things we got to do. First, repent. If you find yourself in spiritual warfare, get clean before God. Confess your sins. Our part is also obedience. If we're doing something we know we, we shouldn't be doing, stop doing that. Hear from the Lord. Follow what God is saying. Our part in spiritual warfare is worship. Worshiping our God. It's declaring the power of the blood of Jesus. And it's a willingness to be open to the Spirit of God. Amen? Because even at times when I'm not in spiritual warfare, God wants me open and ready to move when God tells me to move. If God tells me to go left, I go left. If he tells me to go right, I go right. Because it might not be about me. It might be about blessing somebody else. Amen? There is warfare going on all around us. If God opened up our eyes, it'd probably freak us out. But sometimes there are times of peace in our life. But there's always somebody you know who's going through something. You might not know it, but they're going through something. This warfare is unrelenting. One time I was doing a retreat up in New Hampshire. It was a three-day retreat at a Christian compound. It was in a woodsy area with a big lake, cabins, you know. And I ministered Friday night, and then I had to get up Saturday morning, minister two sessions, and then Sunday morning we were going to end. So it was Friday night, I ministered, and I usually tell a lot of stories <laughs> when I'm ministering, because I've been a lot of places. I've seen God do a whole lot of stuff around the world. And so I ministered, uh, the word, but I also put in a lot of stories about what I had seen, how, what I experienced in my walk with the Lord. So I get up Saturday morning and I headed to the chapel early because I like getting to a place and just praying and being quiet before the Lord. And I'm kind of laser focused really when I minister. And so I'm walking to the chapel area on this little rocky road, you know, and the Lord says, go down to the lake. And I'm arguing, because I'm thinking, you know, I need to get to where I need to go, because, you know, this is ministry of the people, you know. I really want to go to the chapel. That's why I got up early. I want to go there and prepare the space and be in prayer and just get before you, Lord. God said, go down to the lake. 
I turned and I walked down to the lake. And at the lake there was a bench. And on the bench there was this lady. And she was staring out at the lake. She didn't even hear me come up behind her. And she turned when she heard me, she said, what are you doing here? And it really took me back a little bit. It's like, how, why is she being so rude to me? I didn't do anything to her. I said, well, something just told me to come down here. She turned away from me and she kept looking at the lake. She said, you know, I wasn't supposed to be here. I couldn't afford to come to this, this thing, but somebody couldn't come, so they gave me their, their uh, registration. She said, you know, those stories that you told last night, they weren't true, were they? I said, are you kidding? <laughs> I said, they were true. And I said, wait till you hear what I have to share with you this morning about the Lord. And she proceeded to tell me, she said, you know, my life is a mess. I'm about to be put out of my house. My ex-husband sued me for custody of my kids. I don't know what to do. She began to cry. And I comforted her as best I could. I said, you know, I believe God has a purpose for you being here. It's not by accident that somebody couldn't come and they gave you the way to come here. I said, I believe God's going to bless your socks off. Just wait and see. So that was Saturday morning. So I ministered, went back to my, my space, which was over the dining room of this, this uh, retreat area. And I came down right before I was about to minister, going to the chapel again, and nobody was in the dining room except this lady, and there were five women around her praising the Lord. I said, what's going on? They said, she just got saved. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Later, I learned. She shared with me. She said, you know, I was sitting there planning my suicide. I'm so glad that God had her come. It was God orchestrating all of those events. I'm so glad that God had her go down to the lake by herself that morning. I'm so glad that God redirected my agenda to go down to meet with her. I'm so glad she got saved during that retreat. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. <laughs> and that's why we have to be open to the Spirit of God. There's a lot going on around us. God wants to use us. But we have to be obedient. He's so set in our ways that we're going to do things our way all the time. We have to allow space for God to break through, give direction, because it could literally be different death. Amen. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let us pray. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you, oh God, for your salvation. 
God, we repent before you for our stubbornness. Help us to do better. We want to glorify you. We want to be lights in this earth. And we want to frustrate the schemes, the wiles of the enemy to your glory, not to ours, but to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The doors of the church are open. The doors of the church are open. If you've not received Jesus Christ into your heart, there's a reason why you tuned into this broadcast. Somebody has been praying for you. Are you going to continue to be stubborn? Today is the day of salvation. Receive Jesus Christ. You need him. He's worthy of your praise, your honor, and your glory. He's worthy. Come to Jesus. The doors of the church are open right now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Just now. Just now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or would like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519, or call us at 919-363-5198, or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.